Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Welcome, welcome those of you again inside studios here in, here inside Seven Podcast Show, streaming here on WNSC Radio. Folks, you could be anywhere in this world. You could be at any given time in any given moment, but you're spending it with us here on the Sebi Podcast Show, and we appreciate that. We really do. And we are joined and pleased to be with none other than the voice, the face of the district, 96.7 you guys all know who it is 96.7 plus radio listener and anchor becker alshock from the district of columbia my man bex how you doing today fantastic my man great to be on with you Sebi. awesome awesome it's pleased to have you on the show and um before we start off here um uh, tell us where, where the viewers and the listeners here can find you yeah, so you can find uh, me um, on Instagram at Bex, that's B3CKS, double underscore. You can also find my show, uh, Plugs Radio, at Plugs Radio on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, and you can also listen to us Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time on 96.7 FM or WERA.FM. Folks, you guys just don't understand. This this guy's a great guy, um, great man. Um, he's got a, a, a meet in numerous occasions, whether that be uh, uh, via social media or um, via calling. He's just a great guy. One of the hardest w- working people I know in the industry. Um, and and he happens to also be uh, the editor of the Segu Podcast Show. So that's <laughs> always so a plus as well. And we're pleased to have you here. And uh, before we start off here. Um, we got a lot to talk about, Becker. Um, a lot to talk about today. We'll be talking about our midseason NBA awards. Um, but first, our my opening segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by Revamp Barbershop. Revamp Barbershop, the official partners and sponsor of the Seven Podcast Show. Ricky Chandler and the gang has already told and invited the community. If you need your next barbershop located on the campus of Central Florida, fades to cuts. To edges, whatever you name it. Revamp Barbershop might be your next consideration for your next haircut. So we start off today, Becker, with with our NBA midseason awards. And 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 I, I want to bring this to you. Yeah. I'm gonna give you some selections here, and I'm gonna give you uh, uh, some some candidates here. And I want you to tell me what's your midseason NBA awards are. And we'll start off with our coach of the year. Who are you going? Oof, man, I have to go with Mike Budenholzer. Um, the things he's done in Milwaukee with that team, I expected the Bucks to take a big jump and be amongst like one of the, you know, top four in the East, but I didn't expect them to have the best record in the league right now. Um, so the way he's got that team flowing, uh, Chris Middleton and Giannis has taken another step and they just have, I think that was the one missing piece from that team over the last couple years and why I think that team hasn't flourished was the coaching and and, and the system that Budenholzer brought from from Atlanta that you know had them as as the best record in the league just just a few years ago when they had four, four all-stars so I gotta give it to coach Bud at this point awesome awesome that's a great pick there um I, I kind of thought outside the box here on, on this one and and I'm gonna uh, tell you why. I- I'm gonna go with Kenny Atkinson, coach of the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Um, the Brooklyn Nets um, here, they started off the season um, abysmal. I mean, we're-, we're talking like below 500, like eight, eight and 18 or something. And they were 14th in the East. Well, in that time, Brooklyn has gone 23 of 27 at home. They've been balling, they've got wins over Philadelphia wins over at Houston. Uh, that's not an easy place to be, to win, especially with what the beard is doing right now down there in Houston. And uh, obviously, D'Angelo Russell and Dan Woody has a lot to do with that. But what doesn't get noticed is the coaching of these young players by Kenny Atkinson. And and in that time frame, 
the Nets went from 14 to 6 in the East. That's a drastic yeah. jump. And so I'm going to go with Kenny Atkinson. He doesn't get a lot of love. Um, what, what's going to be interesting to me is will Brooklyn continue to hit their stride and continue to develop? Because I think if they continue to develop with these young players and show that they can be competitive, that may draw some marquee free agents this upcoming 2019. So. Right. No, that that's a that's a fantastic pick. I mean, you talk about D'Angelo Russell went from a bust to a borderline all star. <laughs> I think he made it. Um, he, he was a, was he a replacement for uh, for Oladipo. That's right. And he just had a career high in assists last night. So the things he's done with D'Angelo and Spencer Dimwitty and um, Levert before he got hurt uh, <laughs> rhymed. I didn't even know that. Um, uh, yeah. So that's a that's a fantastic pick great picks there and when we go ahead and switch it here and talk about some of our executive of the year um you've got guys like nick nurse retaining um you know Kawhi leonard to stay in toronto guys of course like jerry west or as always being there with the golden state warriors and and and, and maybe um sam presti in, in oklahoma city retaining paul george who, who is your executive um, I would have to go with uh, Ujiri out of Toronto. Yeah, I have to give him a lot of credit um, for that Marcus All trade. Um, he's doing every. He knows that Kawhi Leonard is really on the fence with this team, like regardless where they finish, um, and he has to do everything in his power to make sure that they have the best possible season this year in order to try and entice him in any way possible um, to stay next year. So I think pulling that Marcus all move, um, getting rid of a, in a household name they've had for you know a few years, and Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas was something. Getting rid of a guy in, um, in Miles was also tough, even though he was struggling up until this point in the season. But um, I got to give it to Jerry up in, for, for right now. All right, excellent pick, excellent pick there. Um, it, it, for me, it's it's pretty challenging. Um, Elton Brand has done a phenomenal job yeah. in uh, bringing players like Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. You got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, Philly right now is definitely in win-now mode. But I'm going to go with Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. Mm. Um, and here's why. Um, obviously, the great signing of Paul George, you got him on a max on four years, $150 million or so. Or so. Um, this is a guy in Paul George that initially when he left Indiana, he wanted to go back home to Los Angeles, whether that be a Clipper or whether that be a Laker. Um, he wanted to be home. He played his college ball in Fresno State, but he got traded to Oklahoma City, had to prove himself. And I think, uh, obviously, we're going to get into this later. Uh, the, the duo that is Westbrook and George has just um, sent, sent shockwaves to the NBA right now. And I give a lot of uh, uh, respect and a lot of credit to Sam Presti because he knew that he had one year to show that hey Paul George we have to show you that we want you long term to be a Thunder and I think they did that and another key addition that doesn't get recognized is Dennis Schroeder as well um, in the offseason Dennis Schroeder he is capable to be a, a starting backcourt uh, point guard in any team yeah, in, in the NBA and what he's done thus far for Oklahoma City being a sure thing, backing up Russell Westbrook has paid dividends, and now there's just a half a game back in the Western Conference on the two seed. Right. No, that's a that's an excellent pick. I've always called Sam Pricey one of the most underrated GMs um, in the league because of he has to deal with so many different factors. I mean, he talked about it like Oklahoma City is not a big market. It's not an attractive place to do it. And when it comes to the draft and when it comes to – um, landing, you know, a guy in Paul George via trade, you know, he's he's been on the money with it, where he couldn't afford to miss because they're not a team that that attract those big free agents. So year in and year out, Presti has has done, you know, went above and beyond. Um, the only thing I'll, I'll tell him is that old Harden, you know, we picked Abaka over Harden thing a few years ago. That I will never understand, but. <laughs> you know, time heals all wounds and you know it's starting to pay off right now so uh, I think that's a great pick man excellent excellent there 
Um, I, I think the next uh, sure thing when we talk about sure things right now is uh, the rookie of the year. I think it's just by a wide margin that Luka Doncic is definitely the front runner and definitely, or probably has it wrapped up um, <laughs> before the All Star break. I mean, this guy's phenomenal. What he's done um, through through uh, half a season at the age of nineteen um, is equivalent to LeBron James uh, coming into his uh, rookie season in 2003 with the Cavs and a lot of things that he's done has kind of surpassed LeBron James I mean you think about um the only players in NBA history to have multiple triple doubles in their team years you've got Magic you've got Jason Kidd you've got guys like LeBron and that's an exclusive list to be in so what makes Luka Doncic so effective and and has obviously the 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 America just joining to watch uh, I think he said it himself. You know, he, he called the Europe, the, the Euro League harder to score and than the NBA. I think that really prepared him um, uh, for, for the NBA. And I think his confidence, his bravado, his he's got like kind of like an old school game. He doesn't like blow you away with his athleticism. A lot of finesse, a lot of, finesse, a lot of skill um, and, and just, you know, IQ. And he has that step back jumper that you look at, it's like, should be a really, really bad shot. Like coaches really really get pissed at players for doing that. But he has a patented right now. And the way he runs that offense, and I think um, just Rick Carlisle having the confidence to give him the keys. When we've seen in years past, over these last couple of years with point guards, like a Dennis Smith Jr., like a Rajon Rondo, he's had like conflicts and friction with. So, you couple that with, with how Doncic is playing this year, man. It, it's just been phenomenal. And, you know, you talk about the Mavs are like technically still in playoff contention. So the fact that I think they're doing better than, you know, expected coming into this season, he's kind of flourished. And you see a lot of other players around the league you know, acknowledging him as, as him being for real. Um, so he's the real deal, man. The, the point that you brought up that, that's very interesting to me, the Rick Carlisle effect. Mm-hmm. Um, people tend to forget in 2011 um, when LeBron James wasn't at that moment a volume shooter. Um, that, or still this day, it's probably one of his worst uh, performances in NBA Finals history. In his right. legacy. But Shoot. we tend to forget in games four, five, and six that the Mavs won, um, Rick Carlisle went to a zone. At that time, Wade and, and, and James weren't volume shooters. Um, that they are now, obviously, right. and Rick Carlisle was a, he was instrumental at that. Um, he recognized that the flaws of LeBron James at that time wasn't that he couldn't shoot jumpers, whereas he had a Hall of Famer, a seven foot in dirt that could. And so yeah. um, they went in that, and that paid dividends for them to ultimately win the championship in 2011 down there in Miami. And I and I agree with you. You know, the, the Rick Carlisle is an underrated coach. Mm-hmm. We haven't had. He hasn't had talent for us to evaluate how good of a coach that he is. Now you pair him with Doncic, and you compare him with with Porzingis, and now some of the core nucleus. Uh, you have Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, that's still entering his prime. I think I said this a couple pods ago that I think that Dallas and and Denver, when you're looking at the Western Conference from eight to ten years down the line, yep. may not only be the team to beat, but you know they may attract free agents. I mean. You got Doncic, you got Porzingis. That's going to be the European uh, chemistry right there. Like that's going to be tough to guard, right. especially that high pick and roll between those two. And then you have a, a great coach in Rick Carlisle who demands excellence from his players. And and I think that Dallas has positioned themselves to not only you know contend this year as a low seed to get in, but for future years to come, Dallas may be the team to beat in the Western Conference. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, I mean, ultimately, we have to see how Porzingis reacts or comes back from that, from that Achilles or that ACL injury, because I've, I've mentioned this in the past. I mean, there really isn't any, and, and Porzingis has says that, said this himself. Like he had a quote about this last year, saying that there really is no protocol for for seven three guys. Like it's one thing for Demarcus to come back from a from an Achilles, but you got to realize that Porzingis is like three to four inches taller than the guy. Um, but you know, you said it yourself. It was kind of like a high reward, low risk um, deal. Uh, when you when it talk when you talk about Mark Cuban and the Mavs pulling the trigger to 
pair Porzingis with Doncic because of you didn't really have to give up much, mainly like expiring contracts, some picks here and there, but you talk about a 10 to 15 year future uh, with that team. And man, I, I'm just glad that Rick Carlisle is still at the helm because, you know, I think Mark Cuban had every ample opportunity to fire him over these last couple of years, especially the way they've been performing. Um, so, and I go back to that finals as well when it comes to Rick Carlisle in Miami, man. That was his his signature finals. Like, I remember with him and Dwayne Casey, you know, was his uh, assistant coach. Assistant. Yeah, so both of them came up with the defensive strategy that, you know, I think put LeBron James in his most difficult situation of his career up until this point. So, yeah, man, Rick Carlisle, the Mavs, they got a bright future ahead of them. And I'm just glad, like, he's still at the helm. And he has an opportunity to show the rest of the league why he's still one of the best coaches in the league. Undoubtedly there. And when we move um, subjects here and we, we switch to our sixth man of the year, uh, this is a year that's probably been abysmal in that position there. You've got the normals like Lou Williams and Jamal. Uh, but but for me, a, a guy that stood out to me is Demodis Sabonis um, out of Indiana. Mm. Nobody's talking about him, but steadily he just wakes up, comes to the court and does his job and does his work. He's averaging 14.2 points off the bench, nine boards. He's, he's staying afloat right now along with Oladipo's injury and and you'll ask Dave McMillan who's, who's one of their most more important pieces in that Indiana Pacers team they'll tell you Demodis Sabonis he's my sixth man of the year right I think that's a that's a really good pick man um I, I'd have to go with I, I know maybe you can call me a homer uh but I gotta go with D-Wade man I mean the things that he's still doing at his age coming off the bench um, <laughs> averaging 15 a year he's actually wow. he's actually having a career year when it comes to the three-point percentage which is wild to me because like i'm on i'm the biggest d-way fan on the planet and i've been waiting for him to get a consistent three-point jumper his entire career so i mean the fact that the heat are still in the playoffs it, it's kind of weird because you know they're actually better on the road than they are at home um and you know D-Wade has had some great um, games up to this point. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at him just to have that, like, swan song last, you know, thing on the top type of award, like a six-man award. I know they probably won't give it to him, but um, I think he's doing – I think he's been the difference. Road trip to the sunset. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I loved what they did when they put him in the All-Star game. I thought that was a great gesture by the NBA, um, putting him and Dirk, two legends in there as honorary members so um i'm i'm pulling for him absolutely that those are that d wade uh, one of my all-time favorite competitors uh, to watch and, and to see compete definitely to see there and, and being successful for that miami heat franchise and which he's always been throughout his tenure down there in miami and, and when and, and when we talk about our um MVP. Now, this one is the creme of the creme. Mm. At first, I, I thought it was uh, James Harden uh, uh, leading. I had Giannis at one point, um, but I, right now, I think it's a two-man horse. And and and, and say if I'm wrong, um, I think Giannis is still there because Giannis hasn't done anything. Although George and, and Harden has been fantastic, I don't think Giannis has done anything to make him drop drastically. Um, he's a uh, Right now, he's averaging 26.6 and 13 points. Yeah. It's insane what he's doing. Um, and the Bucks are winning. So you got to reward that and put that into effect as well. But Paul George. Yes. Um, uh, what this guy's done in these last 10 to 25 games or whatever you want to go through and talk about. Um, last night, obviously, we know what happened. Him and Westwood became the first duo to, to do a triple-double besides LeBron and Lonzo last year. And, and before Lonzo and LeBron last year, that hadn't been done since 2007. So right. this is rarity that we're talking about. And Paul George has put himself on notice and put the league on notice that he has been on some tier. I, I posted earlier this morning on social media, last 10 games averaging 37.1 points per game on 57% shooting. Yeah, shooting is awesome. And 51 <laughs> Dude, he was he was eight for thirteen from. 
it's 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 un, it's unconscious and 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 I actually this I'm splitting hairs here. Who do I go with? I I'm, I'm leaning towards young. On fifty-seven percent shooting and fifty-one from deep, and and I'm splitting hairs here, Vex. Like, I, I, who, who, I, I have Giannis as the leading candidate right now, but boy, Paul George can make a great case for his for his MVP campaign. Listen, man, I called this like three weeks ago. The terror that Paul George is on is like some otherworldly stuff right now, because although we can look at a Russell Westbrook. Who probably who's averaging a triple double again, um, and if he does that, it'd be third straight season he did that when it hadn't been done, you know, only one time prior to him doing it two straight years. But he has career lows in field goal percentage, three point percentage. He's twenty percent from three. That's worse than Lonzo Ball. Just FYI for all the listeners. All right, from the free throw line, he's only sixty four percent. So. Paul George is compensated and, and made up for, for Westbrook's lack of uh, offensive ability this year. Yeah, man. He, he's just not had a good year shooting-wise. Um, and Paul George has, has picked up the slack. They're third in the, in the Western Conference. They have an opportunity to overtake um, Denver. They're only a game behind them. And they're only, a, you know, three and a half behind the Warriors for, for the number one seed. So I think... Ultimately, if they make the number two seed and finish the year at number two, he has a really, really strong case because he has been playing unconscious and he's playing at a level I don't think we've ever seen Paul George play at, especially coming off that injury. Um, the, the way he was passive last year, you know, he was talking about, you know, it felt kind of weird, you know, taking over games alongside a guy like Russ and for him to go from what he was last year to what he's doing this year. You know, I got to give credit to Russ as well, because I think he's kind of backed off and given the keys to Paul George in terms of him being their number one option. Um, but, but this guy is, 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 is doing wonders and he's been doing this from start to finish this entire year. He just has a different mentality this year. So I, I really like him up there. And I think, you know, a guy like James Harden, like maybe another, I think after the all-star break, we're going to see uh, the rise of Chris Paul. And I think he's going to start getting his mojo and his rhythm back after that lengthy injury that kept him out for a long period of time this season. So I think his numbers are going to dip slightly. And so uh, because of that, I'm, I'm going to have to give it to, to Paul George right now. And, and you hit a lot of key points there. And Paul George, I mean, like you said, he's playing on another stratosphere. What planet is this guy playing in? Like I said, I've always been sticking up for him. My peers have said that, you know, that that injury may be career ending. I'm like, no, it, give him a year. Kind of like what, what, what Gordon Hayward is going on through this year. He, he's in his first year really back from that nasty injury. Let's see what he does two to three years down the line. You have to give this guy some time to get reacclimated. And boy, Paul George is setting the world on fire right, right. now. And you hit a key point that I want to get on to. The Russell Westbrook effect. Last night, surpassing Will Chamberlain for his 10th straight triple-double. That's an NBA record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like Russell Westbrook's breaking a lot of records. That's including triple-double on the same sentence. But um, you hit something really on that because I don't think... Uh, Billy Donovan gets to get some credit here as well. And he may be a coach of the year candidate that um, no one's talking about. But I think the team is really buying into what he's he's preaching, letting Paul George be the best player on the team. I don't think Russ thinks that. Hmm. But he's buying into what Donovan is preaching and taking a, a second a second fiddle or like being a backseat and letting Paul George take this Thunder team to new heights. He's, he's obviously he's having career lows across the board in scoring and, and especially shooting, but um, he's your utility guy. He's, he gets you the rebounds, the steals, the 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 the, the assists. Um, Paul George and Russell Westbrook are both mm-hmm. in the top five in steals. So they defensively they sit down and they make you work with all the effort that you got in possessions. And Chris Broussard, a very prominent, prominent, prominent FS1 analyst, has said something interesting to me about Russell Westbrook and his accomplishments and why the Oklahoma City Thunder 
maybe and just maybe the best threat to the Golden State Warriors. Let's take a listen to the sound. Here before. Like what Russell Westbrook is doing is phenomenal. No one, nobody, not a player, not Stevie Brown, Jerry West, some of the greatest, not, nobody thought it was possible in today's NBA for an, a guy to average a triple-double for an entire season. No, and all the great players that have been stat stuffers, LeBron, Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, none of them have done it. And if it was so easy, why isn't anybody doing it now other than Russell Westbrook? When we usually look at great statistical feats nowadays, you always hear one of two terms. So-and-so did this. It's the first time since the merger of the ABA and NBA 1976 or post-merger. That's because Will Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson put up numbers that are cartoonish by today's standards. Like, there's no way anybody's touching half of Will Chamberlain's record. And here comes Russell Westbrook doing it, doing it. I mean, the tie now with the nine straight triple doubles, averaging that for three straight seasons. Russell West, I'm not, he's not the best player in the world. He's probably not, certainly not this year, he's the best player on his team has been Paul George. And he wasn't the best player for most of his career because Kevin Durant was there. But this dude is an iconic figure. A year from now, people are going to be looking back at that Russell Westbrook. Man, he averaged a triple-double three, four straight seasons, whatever it is up being, and he's going to be an icon. He's not getting enough credit. Yeah. That was Chris Bussard there talking about the greatness of Russell Westbrook. And, and I agree, Becker. I think we, we all take it for granted what he's done, especially in these last three seasons. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Man, he was on the money with that. I think that um, this is just who he is now, man. I mean, it, people talk about, oh, it's a stat-padding league. I even asked the question on, on my show's Instagram page, the poll, like, you know, do you underrate, you know, Russell Westbrook's uh, triple-double feats this year because of we see it more often. You see LeBron James getting more, James Harden getting triple-doubles. You know, we saw Paul George again last night. But it, if, if it was that easy more players would be doing it. So I think that there is a little bit of stat padding when it does come to it. But at the same time, this has never been done in history prior to him doing it. And no greats were saying that he was, he was that it would ever, what Oscar Robertson did would ever be done again, even in the modern day era. And even today, there aren't as many possessions as there was back when Oscar Robertson did it. Even with all the, you know, advanced scoring and the more possessions, like, it's still not even in comparison to what he did back then. So, I, I think Russell Westbrook is going to go down as an icon. And the fact that he, he I think it's a combination of, of, of two things when it comes to Russ. One, taking a backseat to Paul George in terms of scoring so we can focus more on running the team. I think that's the, the, the main thing, because when you look at his stats on paper and you just erase the name, take away Russell Westbrook, this guy would be getting benched a lot more often, I think, just by, you know, if you didn't know who he was. And he had to, it seemed like he had to do right. everything. Minutes playing and, and, and running the show, defending. And you saw that a tour was taken away from him. And now that he just has to worry about just facilitating and orchestrating the team, it's right. helped him. And I, I think on top of that, he's shown a lot of people over these last couple of years, the narrative on him was, you know, other stars can't flourish around him. You know, he held Kevin Durant back. You know, he's not a great teammate. All these things I think are being, you know, discredited this season because of the things he's doing and how he's allowing Paul George to flourish. So I got to give him credit where credit is due because he has accepted it. And he said, no, I'm just going to, you know, affect the game in other areas. And, and he said it himself in, in, in post-game interviews and, you know, throughout this entire season. I do more than scoring. And, you know, he's just bought into it. And I think he just wants to um, – I think the biggest thing, too, was when Paul George decided to resign um, with this team. And uh, I, I think right. that gave him a jolt of joy and, and adrenaline and motivation right. in ways that I don't think, you know, he could have gotten – Otherwise, because I think if Paul George would have left, I don't think we would have ever seen this type of Russell Westbrook this year, you know, taking a backseat or playing a second fiddle to a guy like Paul George. And I think the fact that, you know, he, he tried recruiting him in the summer, 
and and Paul George gave him that you know assurance that you're my brother and I want to play with you and even you know looking at it LA was home and he was talking about you know if he was never traded to OKC he would probably be in LA and the fact that he still had an opportunity to go to LA and decide to stay with OKC gave Russell I think Russell Westbrook felt like he owed one to Paul George and he's doing that for him this season and it's benefiting the whole team entirely and this is a team listen I, I don't think it's out of the realm to look at this team if they can get by and figure out a way to get by the Warriors especially with their defensive prowess this year this is a team that could challenge for the championship I'm trying to tell you this is if, if they get their, their act together in the playoffs you know if, if they learn from last year's um, experience this is a team that could potentially make an unprecedented championship run well nevertheless these two guys are going to be fun to watch a great dynamic out there in Oklahoma City led by Billy Donovan and Sam Presti right going to be fun to watch come postseason time folks don't go anywhere when we come back Becker is going to stay with us here we're going to get into some March Madness talks you're listening to the Semi Podcast show Streaming only here on WNSU Radio. That was the Virginia Cavaliers there on the soundbite there. Virginia going into chapel here against Roy Williams and his Tar Heels. And they really did bounce back against that horrifying loss to Duke at home in Saturday. Led by Kyle Guy, including a crucial four-point play to help the Cavaliers win their 21st win of the season. And we're talking college hoops. And there's nobody better in the business to talk to us then. Our next guy joining us on the panel here, this is Chris Wolf. Chris, what's going on, my man? What's going on, man? How are you guys doing? Doing, doing very fantastic, well here. man. We're doing very well here. We've got Becker alongside with us here. Our next segment here, guys, is proud and sponsored by Haifa Hookah Lounge. Haifa Hookah Lounge, the official partners and sponsor of Sebi Podcast Show. You want to get your beers, your hoop, whatever it may be, Located in downtown Sanford, they've invited the entire community to join us here from our show. And we'll start off with you, Chris, uh, since you're the guru. As it stands today, if the committee had to pick their four number one seeds, who would it be? Well, it's going to be a tough choice because there's a lot of good teams there right now. But my number one overall seed right now would be Duke slightly over Tennessee because I look at resume more than record, and I just think Duke has done more on their resume right now than Tennessee, though Tennessee has a test this weekend versus at Kentucky on Saturday. So Duke is my number, my number one overall seed. My second one would be Tennessee, obviously, because they, they have just been dominant recently. I mean, they are just 18 – 18 straight wins or something like that. Right. They've been just they have just been dominating the SEC right now. They have a big test this week. But they've just been looking so great. Grant Williams, Schofield, they've just been balling right now. My my third number one seed right now, I think I'd go with Gonzaga right now for the West because they they have just been sneaky this season. They had that huge win in the Maui Invitational Championship versus Duke. That's a big win. They did lose close to Tennessee, but they played really hard. And they've done it pretty much without one of their better players in Tilly. Killian Tilly, he's missed pretty much the whole season. But yet, they have 
continue to win games, and they're in the top five right now. And the fourth number one seed, that, 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 that is one of my toughest ones because there have been a lot of good teams out there this season. But if I'm going to have to pick, I'm going to slightly favor Virginia over Kentucky right now. It could change next week because Kentucky has Tennessee this week. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a slight in favor of Virginia, especially with the win last night at UNC. That was a big win after a not so great performance versus Duke on Saturday. So those are my top four right now. Great picks there, and I would agree with you. I don't think Virginia um, did so much to knock themselves out of the number one seed, although although Duke swept them this season in the two-season meetings that they played. Um, but, Becker, I'm going to turn this to you. Um, the committee came out last week and last Saturday with their top four seeds um, as it stands right now. Anything that stands out to you? Let's tell us a team that, um, you know, that we're not really talking about, but really can make a run and a push. Oof. Um, I think Kentucky, man. I think Kentucky could definitely make a push um, this season. If, if I had to, to, to look at it, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking at UVA, man. Um, the, the reason I'm, I'm looking at them is because we've seen over the last few years, they've been, always been one of the top defensive teams. Um, in the, in the entire, you know, NCAA, but they haven't been able to translate that into too much, um, you know, March Madness success. But, oh, uh, there's a sleeper out there. I don't know if there's a sleeper for me. I think the top teams are. You're going, you're rolling with the. Yeah, I'm rolling with the, with the chop. Chop. I'm rolling right with now. the chop, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you hit it right in the dot. I mean, if Tennessee is, is great and. And Kentucky's a great team. I mean, especially what they've done in the latter parts of the season as well. Um, Kentucky, led by Coach Cal. This isn't the best or the most impressive recruiting class by Coach Cal, but he's paid dividends. You've got guys like um, P.J. Washington, who may be their best player on the team, balling. And these two teams, these two meetings that they have with Tennessee, let's say they happen to win both games. They could jump from the two seed to the one seed. So, Kentucky has a lot to still play for, and, and they're a dangerous team coming down the stretch here um, towards March Madness here. And, and Chris, uh, tell us a dangerous team that nobody's talking about that, let's say, for instance, gets a good draw come March, um, and that can make a run, kind of like what the Ramblers did last year, Wichita State did a couple years ago. Uh, tell us a team that you think that, if all things go right, can make a, a, a deep push come to the Final Four. Uh, there are a lot of teams right there that can make a run. I mean, you can go as you can go to teams like Nevada, or you can say someone like another team from the from the SEC and LSU. They've been sneakily good in in the SEC, sitting in third right now. But my best one would be Marquette with Marcus Howard. He is built for the tournament. Mm. He can flat out score the basketball and that team is just and that team is balling right now and they're giving Villanova for all their money in the conference that's 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 a good pick Marcus Howard is a one-man wrecking crew I mean this guy is uh, we saw what he did against Villanova single-handedly leading that team uh, down the stretch and uh, you would think uh, coach Wright as a great coach that he is uh, winning two of the last three titles, would have a game plan to get the ball out of his hand. Marcus Howard is a, is a living bucket getter. Um, but but a, a team that I have my eyes on, and tell me about this, I got a chance to watch them live, the Houston Cougars. They're 12th right now in the nation. Um, they moved up in the updated poll to ninth. Um, now in the AAC. And this is a team, guys, that, you know, they are, uh, they're, they're tough. They're, they're really tough. And, and what, and I got a chance to see them. They're 23 and one. What is the ceiling for the Cougars? I think, I think their ceiling is up there and like the, the being maybe a, a, an elite eight team. And, and I also think that if they continue to win, they could, they, they could threaten a two seed. 
I don't think they can get a number one seed, but I think if they continue to win and they win the American Conference and they don't like lose again, I think they can threaten a two seed, maybe a one seed if enough met of enough chaos happens. But I think a two or three is pretty realistic for them. Okay, great, great, great. And 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 I want to switch gears to here to the Big Ten. The Big Ten, uh, they're projected to have seven or eight teams. Um, obviously, Michigan and Michigan State um, are the teams to beat. You've got guys like Charles Matthews, Jerome Simpson, Nick Ward, Cassius Winston, a Naismith Player of the Year candidate. Um, and you got Purdue with Carson Edwards. Um, so, so as in terms of the Big Ten verdict, what do you see there? And that's always a team, a, a, a conference that always has at least at minimum eight teams in in, in the tournament. It's gonna be a tough one for that one because there are so many like teams that are like just bun. They're all like bunched up together because right now in the polls, you got you got Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue all between six and twelve right now. They're all between six and twelve, and even though Michigan is sitting in the first place right now, I my team is, would be dangerous as Purdue because they look they're healthy. They've got they've got one of the best players in the country in Carson Edwards, and it's a veteran it's a veteran squad. Like they had a rough start. They started season nine and five, but they've won eight of their last nine. They have a big win against Michigan State, and. <laughs> I think that I think that's a I think that's I think they're a dangerous team. And Michigan I'm not gonna count Michigan State out yet. Even though they have three they had three straight losses, they unranked before beating Minnesota. They got a big test today. This I think today against Wisconsin. So Maryland. It's a, Maryland, okay. I know they play Wisconsin sometime pretty soon, but yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough it, they have they have a tough stretch, but I, my most dangerous would be Purdue right now. I think they're playing the best of all the teams. Yeah, Carson Edwards is, is a preseason um, All-American and definitely a, a Naismith of the Year candidate coming into the season and definitely has his Boilermakers making noise in that conference there. And another team that I, that, that I don't understand, and that's the Indiana Hoosiers. Obviously, the, the world wants to see Romeo Langford a protected top 10 pick this upcoming NBA draft. Um, Romeo Langford and the Indiana Hoosiers, there was a lot of, you know, a, a, a lot of, like, promise for them this season. There were expectations, but they really haven't lived up to them. But my concern is this. I really don't get the Hoosiers. You beat Louisville early on this year. Now, at that time, Louisville, that Louisville win didn't look so good, but all Louisville's done in the ACC is continue to win games. So now, all of a sudden, that win looks good in their resume. And then you go at Michigan State and beat a very good Michigan State team. And you also uh, uh, beat um, another top 25 team as well. And so when when I see Indiana, I'm like, okay, well, they've got a pretty good solid resume. And then you go and you lose to Ohio State. They've dropped six of their last seven. And so what's Mm -hmm. their case getting into the tournament? Maybe a bubble team? Uh, Uh... They are tricky. I can I put them in the same category as as a team like Florida. They played a very they played a very brutal schedule this season. They, I mean, they're around the same record. I think they need to finish about five hundred ish, maybe a game above five hundred, and finish with at least twenty wins. I think if they get at least twenty wins and get maybe like a just above five hundred in conference play, I think that's good enough to get a bubble team based on the schedule that they're having to play. I think if they get 20 wins with a with about eight conference wins, I think with eight or eight about eight or nine conference wins, I think they'll I think they can get in as a bubble. But if they don't, if, I think if they finish with a losing record in conference and under 20, I think they're going to win the t- tournament, the conference tournament to get in. Definitely some great stuff there, folks. The March Madness is just a month away. It's the best time of the year for college ball. All of the parody, the mayhem, the scenarios will be breaking down the second week of March. And we thank Chris Wolf here uh, for dissecting and giving us all of the insights of the college basketball season. 
When we come back, folks, don't go nowhere. Chris will be back with us. We're going to get into some trade deadline reactions as well as some other NBA news surrounding the NBA alongside with our friend Becker from the District of Columbia. Folks, you're listening to the SEBI Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The SEBI Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the SEBI Podcast Experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, SEBI Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan. We welcome those of you again inside our broadcast booth inside Studio Z. This is the Sevy Podcast Show. We're joined back here with Chris Wolf here on the hotline and trade deadline talks. Chris, trade deadline talks. We've seen all of the big moves and now we get to evaluate them. The Philadelphia Sixers make a splash. They get Tobias Harris. Miritich goes from Nala to Milwaukee and also the Raptors gaining Mark Gasol and making a big splash in the offseason there. And now it comes through an arms race here in the Eastern Conference. So when you when you get the chance to evaluate all these, which team to you is the best position to make a run? Um I'm gonna I'm gonna probably have to go with my preseason pick to, to get to win the East and the 76ers. They've already made they made, before the trade deadline, like earlier, they made the trade for Jimmy Butler, and now right before the trade deadline, made a trade for Tobias Harris, and they got Boban, a, a big to back up Embiid, maybe give Embiid a little more rest. You can play Boban about ten to fifteen minutes, and then Tobias Harris also gives you extremely good shooting. He because he's the best non guard shooter they have because Tobias is shooting well over 40% from three this season which is just really which is just insane for a forward to do like he has been shooting lights out like this season and I just have a feeling that will help a guy like Ben Simmons he won't have to do as much on offense he can be more the facilitator and let Tobias Harris be more of a scorer and I just think the Sixers are in a great position. Kind of like, make kinda like a discussion earlier on that I had with Becker, with Ben Simmons taking the scoring duties out of his hands and letting the other players do that and just running and orchestrating the offense with Brett Brown's squad um, there. And so it, it, Philly has expectations now. Elton Brand has definitely told the franchise of the Sixers that we're in win-now mode. And, and what, what's their ceiling if everything goes right? Obviously, they'd have to go through Boston. They'd have to go through. You would expect Boston to get things running again. Uh, they have to go with the Bucks. They've been very, very awfully impressive, especially with Giannis and Chris Middleton and those boys and the Toronto yep. Raptors. And so what, it's, what is it going to have to take for the Sixers to get back to their first NBA Finals since 2001 with Allen Iverson? Um, I think what they're gonna have to do is they're gonna have to first of all they're gonna have to get better. They're gonna have to play better on the road. I mean, they're a 500 team on the road. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna go to a, you're not gonna get to a finals playing 500 basketball on the road. They need to get better on the road. They also need consistent bench play because they are relying heavily on this starting lineup right now, and I think they're gonna need more consistent of a bench play, and they need. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to not disappear in the playoffs because against Boston they disappeared at times. I mean Ben Simmons and if I'm not mistaken, I think one of the first two games against Boston he didn't he, he didn't didn't do anything, didn't score. I mean 
he needs he needs he needs to be a little more aggressive. And getting a guy like Jimmy Butler would help because he loves the big moments. He's really good in the playoffs. He's a big moment guy. I think that helps. JJ Redick has JJ Redick has some a lot of playoff experience as well. Getting him back was great. He's playing very well since the Tobias Harris trade. He's been shooting the ball lights out, and I think that's what they need to do. More bench production, better road play, and Bede and Simmons do not in big moments. Great points there. Great points there. And 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 it's some teams that really didn't make a move. Boston didn't make a move. Um, the Golden State Warriors as well. Um, the whole saga with Anthony Davis trying to go to LA and things of that sort. And and when we look at some of these teams that didn't make a move. Who, who are, do you think will be some of your winners and some of your losers? My winners of the trade deadline? I'm going to I'm I'm say one of my winners is Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, you get a guy like Miritich, a, a guy that helped a Pelicans team win a playoff series last year. And they virtually gone for nothing. I mean, they traded two players that they weren't really going to keep for him. And some pick, obviously, I think a pick as well, but... They they got a, a, a person that can spread the floor. He can shoot. Not, not an amazing defender, but he gives you scoring off the bench. He, sp- he stretches the floor. And that and he could help a guy like Giannis. Though, a guy like Giannis, he is, even though it's on limited attempts, he's starting to shoot three ball a lot better. Oh, yeah. He's hit, he's hit five of last six threes. The last two games he's played, he's five of six from three. So... That's gonna be that's scary for anybody in the league if he starts hitting the three ball well. And a loser, a loser in the trade deadline. It's gotta be that. It's gotta be the Los Angeles Lakers. You, you had a chance. You had a chance to get Anthony Davis. You, you had you had ten days. They gave you pretty much had a ten day, ten free days that you had to get Anthony Davis, where no one else was doing anything. It was just the Lakers and the Pelicans, and they were unable to get a trade done. And I just think that's a big loss because now you're going to – you put teams like Boston, teams like Milwaukee, the Knicks, the, even the Clippers. Even I think the Clippers are more they, – they're going for like a, guys like Kawhi and KD. But the Clippers are still in there as well as a place he might want to go. Now all those teams have a chance in the summer. And I, that, that window is – Losing for the Lakers to trade for him. Now, obviously, 2020 and the 2020 free agency, if he's available, I think, and he's not like in love with a place, if, if, he, if he gets traded somewhere this summer and he's not in love with it, you think, yeah, you can maybe get him then. But it's a very big risk. It's like the Paul George and the Kawhi Leonard. They they made it clear they wanted them, they wanted to be in LA. They didn't get the trade. And guess what? Paul George signed with OKC. He's having a career year with Russell Westbrook, and he loves playing for him. You hope, I mean, if you're the Lakers, I mean, you got to hope a guy like Anthony Davis doesn't get traded somewhere and fall in love with the place and fall in love with playing with somebody, or else you're just going to lose. You're you're just, you're, you're going to lose out on him, and it's going to be a terrible look for LeBron James. Undoubtedly, and, and, and officially. Come July 1st, 2019, the Anthony Davis sweepstakes begins because everybody, all 32 teams are going to try to pitch in for them as well. And, and when we talk about uh, some other news swirling the NBA, uh, you've got what the Oklahoma City Thunder is doing. Myself and Becker touched on that earlier. Um, right now, Paul George is throwing uh, flames uh, right now and, and sending shockwaves to the NBA. And you also have um, some teams that are creeping up as well. You've got the Denver's just playing really well. Any key news in the NBA in the last week that's that's been interesting? Um, it's been there hasn't really been a bunch of huge things. I mean, but it's just been it's just that this is like a two to three man race in the MVP. You got Paul George, you got the Greek Freak, and you got James Hart. None of those players are slowing down anytime soon. Like, Harden's going to continue to score 30-plus. Giannis is going to continue to get ridiculous double-doubles. And Paul George is going to go – is just going to continue scoring 
just scoring, insane scoring and insane three-point shooting. That his three-point shooting has just been off the charts the last 51% in the last three games. For like 10 games. That is just un and, and he's shooting and he's shooting about like anywhere between eight to ten attempts a game or more. And, and I, I think that's Curry esque, isn't it? Curry and Harden esque. Like you, I mean, it's different when you're shooting like four or five a game, maybe shooting fifty percent. This dude is shooting in double figures most games from three, and he's hitting over fifty percent. He's averaging well over thirty, and he's playing, and he's one of the best defensive players in the league. I mean, I think that, in my opinion, the front runner for defensive player of the year. I mean, right. Right. He's just been. It's just we and we and we might be looking in like with our own eyes. We might be seeing the best two-way player. We might see Kawhi Leonard maybe falling down a little bit because this year, yeah, he's been great defensively. But there have been games where I've seen Kawhi Leonard not as good defensively. I've seen players be able to score on him. He's still a great defensive player, but the, it, it might be trend. We might be seeing a transition. From Kawhi to PG thirteen as the best of, as the best two way player in the league. Wow, very hot take there. You heard it first from Chris Wolf here on the hotline. You're with us here on the Seven Podcast Show, streaming on WNSC Radio. And, and, and as we close here today, uh, Chris, moving on forward, uh, the last thing I want to get into is this Kyrie Irving trade. Um, we heard early on this uh, this week that Marcus Morris wasn't very fond of the Celtics losing an eighteen point lead to the Lakers, and then on back-to-back nights um they go and play the clippers and have a 28 point lead and that vanishes and they end up losing um a lot of interesting stuff coming out of that boston locker room is it kyrie irving is it brad stevens what's going on with the celtics and and now kyrie irving's injury comes again it's not as serious but you would think that they'd have him out for the all-star break until the all-star break ends and they can make a second and uh, a second uh, end of the season push after the All-Star break here. What's going on with the Celtics, and especially in that locker room? I think it could, there's a, I think it's a combination of two things. I think it's a combination of just too many people want the ball, I think. I think there's too many people fighting for minutes. You have a Gordon, you have a Gordon Hayward, you got a Jalen Brown, you got a Jason Tatum. They all think they should be the starters, but you can only start two of them. And... And it's the same thing with a guy like Terry Rozier. He believes he's a starter in the league, but he, he's, he's having to play behind Kyrie Irving. But you see every time Kyrie's out, you see Terry Rozier having great games all over. And last year's playoff as well. Playoffs as well. And Terry Rozier looking really good. I think it's a combination of that and I think of injury because they've had a lot of injuries and they've had to go through a lot of rotations. And people think that... People think that... Um, they should be the they should be the guy and I think they need to I think they need to just settle down take this week go through it maybe even try to try, have these players bond together because that's a big thing right having I mean bonding with your players making like getting close with their teammates is also it's always a big thing I mean back back after Miami won their first title. They went to China as a team. They bonded. They came back the next season and had one of the greatest seasons of all time. Had that 27-game winning streak. Had the 66-win season, I'm pretty sure. 66-67-win season. And had that just heroic performance in giving Greg Popovich his only finals loss of his career. Something like that. Right. They need to bond, I think. Get close. And just play together instead of playing individually they need to play together i think they can do that they're fully capable of doing that they're so talented they they probably are the t- most talented team in the eastern conference i think but they're not playing like it they need to play together right and i think that this uh 10 uh, 7 to 10 day um all-star weekend break should help them out on the layoff like i said they, they need to recuperate and just uh, they need to restart, and I maybe this break can do that because right now, got all the death in the world. You've got talent across the board, and it's just not going right. Get Kyrie Irving healthy, and and what I think it resonates to me is is Marcus Morrison in his press conference um, said that 
a lot of players are playing for themselves, meaning that they want their points, their individuals want their their buckets, and they're not playing as a team, kind of like what we saw li- later on in the season last year, especially in the playoffs when they became a team-oriented basketball team mm-hmm. and they started to pass the ball. The open man started to hit jump shots and three-pointers. They need to get back to that. Al Horford, whether it's age or attrition, the defensive anchor that he is, he needs to get back healthy. He needs to be a leader for them. And and they're lacking leadership and they're lacking ball movement. And I think that they just need a, a layoff. They need a vacation. And they just need to recuperate themselves. And post-All-Star break, they got to get this engine running because Bucks are coming. Toronto is coming. Philly's coming. A lot of these teams as well are coming. And, and Boston has dug themselves in a hole. And they really need to get them, their acts again. Couldn't agree more. Definitely there. Well, folks, um, you heard it from us. My, so we want to thank Chris Wolf for being a special guest with us here on the hotline with us. As well as Becker from 96.7 Plugs Radio out there in the District of Columbia. And for all of our listeners, our routine listeners who continuously listen to us every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. on the Sebi Podcast Show Radio Show, streaming on WNSC Radio. And for myself and the entire cast in the panel with us today, we want to say so long for now. Until next time.